0: Welcome to the Voices of War, a podcast with a simple vision, to bring to life the true costs of war through the voices of those who've lived it. I'm your host, Maz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today I'm continuing the coverage of the situation in Afghanistan, and I know that some might accuse me of making these podcasts too long for the current crisis. But to those I say that I'm not actually a journalist, I'm a podcaster, and the whole purpose of this podcast is to give those voices who we don't hear in the day-to-day media the time and space to share their story. And this episode in particular is recorded in that vein. This morning I'm speaking with Hezbollah Khan, a journalist and political analyst writing on war and terrorism in Afghanistan since 2014. He writes for outlets like the BBC World, The Independent, The Diplomat, The Globe Post, and at least another 20 international publications. He joins me on this morning of 17th of August from Kabul, where it is just after midnight or a couple of hours after midnight, to discuss the unfolding situation from the ground. Hezbullah, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. So just before we get to the current situation on the ground, I think it's important to just set a little bit of context uh, about your own background and and so who you are and what type of work have you been doing over the past uh, nearly 10 years?
1: Uh, I am Hezbollah Khan, uh, basically from uh, Kabul, uh, writing about the war and terrorism uh, for the past seven years in the international media. Uh, and I cord uh, stories features in various parts of afghanistan uh, during the war and i i have also cord uh, war for seven years in afghanistan mm.
0: and of course the current situation uh, it's it's certainly no stretch to say that uh, even speaking to me right now is uh, is potentially at some great risk to yourself we know that from two days ago the government of afghanistan has collapsed Maybe a good place to start for us is to give people an understanding from your perspective, from the ground, why the government even collapsed in the first place. Thank you.
1: Uh, that is a very good question. Firstly, uh, when uh, the Taliban uh, got their office in the Duha, uh, international community has uh, provided uh, full plate support to them uh, and particularly, uh, there is there was an agreement in 2020 uh, between the Taliban and the Trump administration. In that uh, uh, agreement, the Trump administration uh, pledged with the Taliban that the, they would uh, withdraw U.S. troops from Afghanistan uh, completely and the, uh, the second uh, promise of the Trump ad- administration with the Taliban that uh, uh, the Trump uh, administration forced one government to release 5,000 with, uh, with Trump fighters of the Taliban. So mm-hmm. on the other hand, uh, in exchange for commitment, uh, the Taliban also made three promises with the Trump uh, government. The first one was to reduce violence, which lead to ceasefire. The second agreement that the the Taliban would completely end their uh, relation with Al-Qaeda and other uh, terrorist organization. And the third uh, commitment of the Taliban was that uh, they they promised that they will uh, sincerely participate in the intra-Afghan talks. On one side, the the Trump administration has entirely uh, fulfilled its promises. On the other side, the Taliban completely opposed uh, that uh, uh, agreement and not fulfilled a single promise. On the other side, the Trump administration's uh, agreement was conditional. The Trump told to the Taliban that. Uh, if the Taliban do not fulfill their uh, promises, then they would not uh, withdraw the U.S. forces from the Afghanistan. On the other side, when Joe Biden uh, became the president of uh, U.S., so the Biden announced unconditional uh, withdrawal, uh, which has uh, completely changed the scenario uh, of Afghanistan. Uh, because uh, uh, the first main reason behind uh, the, the the collapse of the Afghan government is that the Afghan government was not expecting uh, from the bidens unconditional withdrawal mm-hmm. the second thing was that the taliban was preparing for the uh, for the current uh, scenario for the last two decades On the other side, the Afghan government was not ready for this scenario. So this is the uh, one question because the Afghan government has completely lose its intelligence system, its air system, its equipments, its aircraft, its drone, its air support, everything, its contractors, which Hmm. keep the Taliban at bay for the uh, two decades. So uh, that the, the, was the second reason that uh, the uh, government uh, collapsed
0: because uh, the the withdrawal was very quick and abrupt. Maybe I can just uh, take follow up on a question, Dave, if that's all right, because I think you you're making a really interesting point here, and that is the change of scenario, as you so put it, um, and I just want to pick up on that because you you quite rightly pointed out. Three key points that the Taliban agreed on, you know, being reduction of violence to lead to a ceasefire, you know, complete cessation of any relations with terrorist organizations like Al Qaeda. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, sincerely participate in intra Afghan talks. Now, you said that Taliban has not upheld that side of the story. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? Because that's, I think that's a really important point because the messages. Arguably, we're now uh, receiving is that you know Taliban has taken over power peacefully, uh, and that maybe, just maybe, Taliban uh, is showing signs that it might have changed. And I just want to explore that. Uh, do you, to what extent, do you agree that that is true or not? No,
1: uh, so the Taliban, uh, basically, the Trump administration and the Biden uh, administration constant announcement of the withdraw has completely encouraged the Taliban for the victory. After the, the, there is a, one more scenario behind, uh, uh, behind the current situation. In the 19th century, uh, uh, there was a superpower, the Great Britain. They came to Afghanistan and they uh, had been defeated by 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 Afghans, and then the second power superpower came to Afghanistan, and, and that was USSR, USSR, also collapsed uh, when they lose their war in Afghanistan. So, in, in this time when the 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 Trump admit, uh, the Trump continuously uh, told to the media and they he was uh, constantly. Uh, giving deadline uh, to the Taliban that they would withdraw their forces from uh, from Afghanistan, and on the other side, the Taliban's main sentence uh, was that that uh, you you have watch and we have time. So uh, the Taliban uh, uh, the Taliban constantly constantly said that they had uh, defeated. Two superpower in the past uh, in the in the past one century, and on the, on the other side, the U.S. is on the verge of the defeat. So hmm. now today, the after the withdrawal uh, of U.S. forces, even now uh, just one hour before, the the Joe Biden said that Afghanistan is the graveyard of the great empires. So now uh, the Taliban has. Uh, Change their mindset after the uh, deadline of Biden's and Trump, and they told to the Afghans that they defeated three three superpower, and Afghan government is nothing for them. Yeah, of course. The second, uh, the 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 second thing is that uh, uh, the Taliban uh, first they were uh, ready to resolve the Afghan issue by negotiation and peace talks. But after, uh, yes, they wanted, uh, they constantly demanded from the Afghan government to hand over them the authority of the 15 provinces. And they also are demanding that, uh, that they, they, there was some issues constitutional issues, Uh, uh, they also demanded that we should uh, reform the uh, Afghanistan constitutions. So, And the third demand of the Taliban uh, was that they they want, uh, uh, because the Taliban uh, don't have any roots in the Afghan population, just uh, a few years ago, Asia Society managed uh, uh, a survey in Afghanistan where Uh, The the result was that 92% of Afghans supported Afghansh Abhani's government. On the other side, just 4% of Afghans uh, supported the Taliban, and the Taliban was not ready for the election because they know that they don't have any roots in the Afghan population, and they wanted a permanent designations in the uh, Afghan government, like the like the Ministry of Interior Affairs, the Ministry of Foreign Policy, the Ministry of uh, Law, the Ministry of Religious Affairs and so on. So uh, that was their demand. So after uh, Biden's uh, uh, unconditional withdrawal, they understood that the US defeated and they started telling the narrative and they spread their narrative that three superpower are uh, defeated by Awan. so now Awan government is nothing before them and they started uh, they, they took interest in the victory and completely uh, avoided the peace process and uh, there was zero result of the one peace process uh, mm. in charbon talks uh, there was many meetings like previously, before Dizzy, in the last month, uh, there was uh, the intra-Afghan talks in the Doha, and after uh, the after that meeting, uh, Ashraf Ghani told to the Afghan media that uh, the Taliban didn't talk uh, on the to resolve the Afghan issue. They just talked for two for two days uh, about the uh, coronavirus. And they even they, they were not interested to uh, about peace talk about uh, uh, reconciliation about the Afghan issues about the major uh, issues of Afghanistan to uh, to make consensus on that. And for two days, Taliban just talked about the coronavirus.
0: Yeah, maybe I just ask you another question there on the because I think if I'm understanding you correctly, and maybe I'll just I'll just quickly paraphrase what I've picked up from you saying, is that the narrative shifted or the scenario shifted the moment Biden declared that it's an there will be an unconditional withdrawal. In other words, that regardless of the Doha agreement and the conditions that have not necessarily been met by the Taliban, so the conditions of reducing violence, complete uh, cessation of uh, dealings with uh, organizations like al-Qaeda, and and sincerely participating in intra-Afghan talks, that changed the narrative. The moment uh, it became obvious that the U.S. is withdrawing regardless, that signaled to the Taliban that the U.S. is going regardless of the conditions, but more importantly, that also signaled to the people of Afghanistan, who, as you point out through that survey, didn't really support the the Taliban uh, uh, in large numbers, but because it was inevitable that the Taliban will now regain control, uh, we saw this almost a landslide of Taliban takeover, 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 and collapse of various government centres and population centres around the country uh, almost without any shots fired, really. While there was, there was pockets of resistance, uh, many just basically put their weapons down and realised that the fight is, uh, it would be for nothing. Is that an accurate summary of what you've just covered?
1: Yes, I'm I am uh, entirely agree with you uh, because uh, the, the the Taliban was not a very strong organization. Uh, Taliban's uh, Taliban just had uh, uh, 50,000 fighters and they, they were not a regular fighter, just 5 to 10,000 10, fighters uh, were fighting in Afghanistan and other were living in their sanctuaries. Mm. So, uh, and they, 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 were giving, uh, special periods and duration to the fighters. But in one year, uh, one fighters were just uh, fighting for two months and three months. They were not fighting for, uh, the whole, uh, year. So uh, when the scenario changed and unconditional exit uh, announced by the Joe Biden, and then when the Taliban understood that uh, U.S. Uh, is going uh, without uh, uh, without any restrictions, because the, the Trump administration told to the Taliban that uh, uh, in one time the, the Trump administration uh, completely ended uh, uh, its uh, peace process with the Taliban when the Taliban violated uh, that agreement uh, when he uh, when they attacked the U.S. forces in Afghanistan. So Trump was very restricted on that agreement. On the other side, when the Taliban completely violated violated the Trump agreement uh, when the Biden became the president of the U.S. And that Biden was Biden didn't pressurize the Taliban to follow their commitments. And uh, when they understood that US is not interested in the uh, in Afghanistan, and even they they understood that uh, they have no concern uh, when the Taliban violates the uh, US agreement, they understood that it is a time uh, of victory. And after that. The, the Doha peace process has legitimized the Taliban and they got a huge space in the international diplomacy. And after that, they continuously visited to uh, Russia, to China, to uh, Pakistan, to Iran, to Uzbekistan, to Tajikistan and other countries. And they made a, a very strong relation with these countries, even they initiated uh, relations with India, which is uh, uh, very opponents to the, to the Taliban. And it, at this time, the Taliban has uh, applied a very different strategy from the previous one. Previously, uh, the, the north of Afghanistan and the Taliban didn't uh, capture the northern afghanistan in the end of their regions now they firstly captured northern afghanistan and then they they came to southern afghanistan because they already made their relations with the iran with the russia with the india and the other central asian countries like tajikistan and uzbekistan these uzbekistan tajikistan iran india and russia they enormously funded uh, and provided military equipments to Northern Alliance in the 90s when North, Northern Al- Alliance, including Abdul rashid Dostam, the main warlord of Afghanistan, Ahmad Shah Massoud mm-hmm. and uh, Ali Mazari, these were the main political figure of Afghanistan. And they were leading some uh, very big necessities like Ahmad Shah Massoud, was leading Tajik ethnicity, and Abdul, Abdul Rashid uh, Dostam was leading Uzbek ethnicity, and Abdul ali Mazari and Ustad Mohakik was leading uh, Hazara ethnicity uh, in Afghanistan, and they, they all were fighting against the Taliban, and they were getting support from these countries. But now, this time, the Taliban first developed their relation With those countries who provided support to Northern Alliance, and Mm. uh, in order to get regional support and to prevent and deter uh, the reconstitutions of the Northern Alliance, so Mm. this was the the first strategy of the uh, Taliban, uh, and they applied the the second strategy. They already made relation with China and. uh, completely diminished the Chinese concerns in Afghanistan. And they told to China that uh, we don't uh, act against your interest in uh, the Afghanistan. And they also made diplomacy with uh, Russia and told them that uh, this time they wouldn't uh, take any step against the Russian interest. And the, similarly, they... Uh, told to the Iran, they told to Pakistan and they got regional support. On the other side the one government uh, failed to get the regional uh, support and to if you see it during the past three months, almost the Taliban visited various countries more than 25 times. On the other side, the Afghan, Ashraf ghani and Abwaam foreign minister Ani Patmar they just visited three countries. So the Taliban was very active in their diplomacy. On the other side the government was not active in their diplomacy. So yeah. they, have, they changed the mindset of the, of the regional powers and also convinced them uh, about their concern and got support from them.
0: Yeah, no, I think it. I think your summary is is exceptional, and I think w- it it provides a nuanced analysis that so much lacks in our understanding of what's happening. Uh, and I particularly want to just narrow in on the point that since the Doha Agreement, if I understand what you're saying correctly, is that the agreement itself validated the uh, Taliban uh, in Doha as almost. Uh, a pseudo-government in exile that's sitting in Doha. And because of the narratives that and and also the attention that was given to the Taliban by a lot of the mainstream uh, media and narratives surrounding the war in Afghanistan, that allowed the Taliban to gather momentum, whereas the Afghan national government uh, remained in the shadows. My question still remains, why did all of the regional countries you named like Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Iran, Turkmenistan, uh, China, even India uh, and Russia, why was it in their interest to side with uh, Taliban?
1: Okay, uh, because you know uh, the China, or Russia and India, they, uh, particularly Iran, uh, their interest, uh, they seek their interest in the peaceful Afghanistan because uh, the the whole world and uh, almost all economists they are agree that uh, the China will emerge the second superpower of the world
0: mm-hmm. in
1: 2030 and uh, 35. So uh, the whole Chinese infrastructure. Will be built based on Afghanistan, and their direction will be implemented in Afghanistan. So the China would not uh, become the superpower, economic superpower of the world with the war in Afghanistan. So uh, the the Taliban diplomatically convinced uh, the China that uh, the war uh, will prolong. The, and your uh, intentions, your interests will be dismantled in Afghanistan until the war is going on between the Afghan government and the Taliban. So they have made some agreement with the China on the other side. Uh, the Russian expansionism of policy is underway in the Central Asia, and they captured some type, some type of uh, uh, like. Uh, uh, in soft diplomacy, mm-hmm. they they increased and mounted their culture, their policies, their uh, foreign policies, and their export to the uh, Central Asia. And now they want to enter in the South Asia. And within the war in Afghanistan, they they can't enter to South Asia in uh, contested and conflicted Afghanistan. Hmm. So they also want to increase their influence into south asia and for that uh peace in afghanistan uh, is, is essential for the uh, russia on the other hand there is a uh, contest between india and uh, pakistan to capture the central asian economic markets hmm. because you know the the India has already captured South Asia uh, by diplomacy and by uh, economic. Uh, because uh, you know the circumference uh, when uh, the, ter- the terms of Pakistan comes, the those South Asian countries don't participate in the Pakistan terms when the meeting here uh, managed in Pakistan. Because they, mm. uh, they, they all support uh, India, and uh, India economically has mounted their links uh, with the South Asia. Now it is interested in the Central Asia. On the other side, Pakistan want to use their land, their sea as an economic hub for Central Asia because Pakistan is in the economic crisis and mm. it is facing harsh crisis only uh, after kept, uh, the Pakistan economic prices will diminish if it use uh, the, the links, the ways uh, of Afghanistan and to uh, increase its economic influence in Central Asia. So there is contest. Uh, uh, the Taliban uh, is the uh, natural ally of the uh, Pakistan and Pakistan wanted to reinstall the Taliban in order to capture Central Asian markets and uh, The second reason of the Pakistan was that uh, the the, there is one more issue behind this scenario. The uh, Durand Line uh, uh, is the second uh, issue between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Every democratic government of the Afghanistan rejected to recognize the Durand Line as an international border, and. after losing Bangladesh, Pakistan has a very great concerns over the Durand Line because they have already lost their whole population and whole country in the 70s, and now they are striving to uh, protect uh, the remaining Afghanistan. So mm. they, uh, uh, on the other side, the Taliban don't believe on the regional boundaries. They, they say that all Muslims are one and we don't uh, believe on boundaries on anything. So the Taliban don't have any concerns uh, on the Duran line. Hmm.
0: The,
1: the, this is the second issue. I think the, the Ashraf Ghani has uh, asked from the Taliban that uh, why they are not talking about the Duran line. The Durand line was basically... Uh, there was Afghanistan uh, which Great Britain's demarcated uh, aligned line uh, on the center of Afghanistan and divided Afghanistan uh, on two parts. And the second part now, uh, after the uh, emergence of India and Pakistan, one part uh, became the part of uh, Pakistan and the second part uh, uh, remained independent, which we call now Afghanistan. So this is the, the third issue, uh, so the regional countries uh, provided support to them. On the other side, uh, the uh, regional the second the main regional power on the other side, which is Iran. Uh, yeah. Iran also want to increase their uh, cultural uh, influence in Afghanistan. So they they already they they claiming that they have uh, historic links with the Tajik, uh, Uzbek and Azara, and they have same civilization uh, and same culture, same history, everything they have same. So now the democratic government of Afghanistan uh, has enormously diminished the influence of the Iran in Afghanistan. Hmm. Now the the Iran uh, is trying to increase their influence in Afghanistan uh, by supporting Taliban because they both have same uh, religious mind, same religious policies. So the, the Iran is also seek their interests under the government of the Taliban.
0: Of course, that's a again. Thank you for that outstanding summary of the regional dynamics uh, which again i don't think it's something we talk about enough uh, when we look at the current situation in, Af- in afghanistan just one thing i want to pick up on because i think it's a really important point you made early on and that is that taliban doesn't really have structures governmental structures it doesn't have necessarily policies um it, it, it's it's Riding the wave of an emotional sentiment, and of course the uh, link to to the religious uh, sentiment as well, is this maybe the reason why Taliban has allowed basically the mayor of Kabul to retain power, to in some small way uh, allow for the law and order or rules uh, within Kabul to continue. How do you how do you view that that move by Taliban?
1: Oh. The Taliban, basically, there is no uh, single master degree holders uh, in the lands of the Taliban. There is no historian, no economist, no doctor, no engineer, no IR expert, no sociologist, no political scientist. They are just warriors. Hmm. And uh, they don't know the systems because they just fought for three decades. Mm. And they know even they can't speak English. Mm. And they they didn't attend the, the schools, the universities, the colleges, and they can't run the country. How and uh, ignorant people uh, can run uh, the the large country? Because a country need economists. There is a, a banking systems. You you can't run a banking system by the warriors. Mm. There is a, a country need a foreign policy, and you you need a political scientist, you need a, a IR expert to establish your foreign policy. A country need to to run hospitals, and there is there isn't a single doctors in the lands of the uh, uh, the Taliban. Mm. A country need to 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 reconstructure, to to establish their infrastructure system. And there there is no single engineer in the line of the Taliban. Mm. There is no sociologist. So country need, there is a air system, there is flight, there is airports. So how can the Taliban, uh, how they can run this kind of country? So now I think the regional powers Understood that they need uh, some kind of people in Afghanistan who don't know the policies, who don't know the culture, who don't know the uh, diplomatic systems, uh, and they seek their uh, interest uh, in these type of people who don't know anything about running the systems. I think uh, th- there is contestations in the Taliban, uh, in the Afghanistan, among the great powers, particularly the regional powers, and they don't want uh, brilliant and clever people in Afghanistan, and they want these kind of people who don't know anything and they seek their interest in these kind of people.
0: Okay, right. So that that actually goes to the next question I wanted to ask, and that is, given what we know is happening right now, there is... At least I haven't heard much talk about the formation of an actual government uh, by the Taliban, which would suggest that, as you said, they don't necessarily have the necessary technocrats or technically uh, savvy people to run and establish a government. So how do you, what do you see as the next point? What kind of government can the Taliban put together or how will it put a government together?
1: the uh, Taliban before capturing the Kabul they were uh, continuously uh, talking about the interim government and, and it was their main demand from the Ashraf Ghani to resign and uh, establish an interim government in Afghanistan uh, in order to resolve the Afghan issue so after capturing Kabul, the Taliban uh, uh, suddenly told to the Afghans that they are not interested uh, in the interim government, and they want to establish their own government, religious government. So this is a very astonishing uh, point for the Afghans, because they once again, they rejected their own demands. So now uh, there is uh, meetings uh, and uh, meetings are underway in Kabul between the Taliban delegations and uh, Hamid Karzai, uh, ex-president of the Afghanistan, Abdullah Abdullah and uh, Ustad Sia Gulbadin Hikmatyar. Uh, the conversation is underway among them, and the the Taliban can't run. Uh, a country without an inclusive government because the Taliban don't have uh, any influence in other ethnicities like uh, Uzbek, like Tajik, like Hazaras. There is very little support uh, in their uh, in that communities the Taliban has. So now the main elders, the warlords and the main representative of uh, these communities the Tajik's main leader is the son of Ahmad Shah Masood, Ahmad Masood, and Abdullah Abdullah. And the Uzbek's leader is Abdurashid rashid Dostam. And the Hazara's leader is Ustad Mohakik. And without including these people in the government, I think they can't run a country for one year. Hmm. And the, the main reason behind the collapsing of the Ashraf Ashraf Ghani's government is that Ashraf Ghani has, in the second term, Ashraf Ghani sidelined these warlords Hmm. and they started struggle against them. Ashraf Ghani has provided uh, space to the intelligentsia and to the young generation of Afghanistan uh, because they understood that these warlords are corrupt and they are Uh, just uh, interested uh, in corruption and don't take interest in the development of Afghanistan. And that is the main reason when the Taliban uh, started capturing northern areas, even northern like Panjshir, like uh, Paisabad City and other areas of northern Afghanistan, the Taliban didn't capture those areas in the end of their regime. And there was uh, very, very strong war between the Taliban and these uh, minorities of Afghanistan. But this time, they didn't resist even. Hmm. So now they, I think the best way, and they they also uh, the, the spokesman of the Taliban, yesterday they told to Ash- Ashraf Ghani and uh, other leaders of Afghanistan, even they told Ashraf Ghani that work with us under our administration. Uh, and, and that is, a I think, is a good gesture uh, for uh, Afghanistan because in order to avoid other uh, militancy, uh, because now uh, Amrullah Saleh and the son of Ahmad Shah Masood, uh, Ahmed Masood, they are in the panchere, really, uh, and they are. They are regrouping their people and start a militancy against the Taliban's regime. Hmm. So the, the, I think the second uh, militancy that Afghanistan is suffering from the largest war of the human history, four decades war. No country has saw uh, four decades constant war and almost three million people has lose their in Afghanistan in the mm. four decades war. So now I think an inclusive government, the Taliban has also showed uh, their consent, uh, consent in the inclusive government. Uh, currently an inclusive government consisting on all groups, all ethnicities and all factions, uh, even the leader of the current Ashraf Ghani's uh, government is very important. And the second thing, uh, previously, the the whole of one state collapsed uh, uh, in the Taliban's regime because their military collapsed, their education system uh, collapsed, their cities collapsed, everything, agriculture system was collapsed. So Mm. now I think Taliban should maintain the current system because there is not a single sociologist. And on the other side, there there are more than 50 universities in Afghanistan. Mm. So they should help the the current uh, service members uh, of the Afghan government to maintain your jobs, whether Mm. they are... In airports, whether they are in hospitals, whether they are in the uh, infrastructure land, whether they are in universities, so that is the only way to uh, to govern Afghanistan. On the other hand, if they establish their own government consisting just on the Taliban, I think that kind of government can't survive for a single year in Afghanistan.
0: Okay, so so what I'm hearing that is that arguably the Taliban becomes the almost ceremonial uh, leadership of uh, Afghanistan, but that it relies on a coalition, effectively, of all the various, as you said, warlords uh, and and even separate factions within the Taliban, uh, as well as trying to keep uh, the public service sector as it is at the moment. Now that that makes sense, uh, but. How realistic do you think that that actually is?
1: No, I think uh, today we saw uh, the Taliban's uh, representative uh, went to one a hospital in the Kabul where female doctors were work, working in that hospitals, and they uh, told to the female doctors that uh, just put on scar uh, on your face and your body's and uh, uh, continue your uh, jobs. We don't have any concerns from you. I think that is a positive message for uh, for the Afghanistan. Uh, yes, they will change the system. I think uh, the one institution like uh, Afghan army that will be dismantled by the Taliban because uh, they they are not in- interested in the Taliban, on the, on the Afghan air army, and they, they will make some other sort of the army for Afghanistan. Uh, and in other cases, like uh, uh, I told you, they don't have a single pilot in their lands, so how they can run the airports, flights, and helicopters of Afghanistan. So the, I think they this time they have learned something from the past. And they are, uh, they, they have changed their mind. And uh, that is the only solution of Afghanistan. Uh, if they tell the current service member in all walks of life and every department of Afghanistan to maintain your jobs. Hmm. If they want to protect the current uh, institutions of Afghanistan. Uh, because uh, yes you you should put some your representative in uh, every department of afghanistan uh, afghans don't have any concern from that but they can't run the systems the current members of the system should continue and i think afghans have lot of expectation from them uh, to maintain the current system and they have also changed their mindset in this time. I think they, they, they there will be some changes, but the current system will prevail.
0: Okay, well, that's uh, at least a little bit more hopeful than uh, what we're often hearing now as well. Uh, and we have heard a lot of reports of, of, of you know, killings and uh, murders and stuff over the last couple of weeks. But also more importantly I think we're seeing at least in, in our media and social media scenes of absolute chaos on at Kabul Airport um, you know even people you know holding on to, to wheels of, of planes departing and then unfortunately falling from the sky uh, to their death. Uh, so there's an image that there's uh, chaos in Kabul although through other sources I'm also hearing that it's actually rather quiet. What are you seeing on the ground and and what is the general sentiment of the people of Kabul uh, about the situation at the moment?
1: Yes, uh, I think the current abrupt and quick advancement of of the Taliban and finally the victory of the Taliban has not just shocked the Afghans and they shocked the entire world. So whole Afghans are surprised now. And Afghans were not ready for this kind of scenario. And it is came in Afghanistan abruptly. So there were 15 lake servicemen of the Ashurbanese uh, administrations. And the Taliban, uh, and there were just, 3 lake army of uh, the Afghan uh, army, they were fighting with the Taliban in the 34 provinces of Afghanistan. And there are uh, some brigades that, that, that were working under commandos, under brigadiers, and they killed around thousands of the Taliban. Hmm. And there are some commandos, the Taliban are uh, claiming that these commandos killed their thousands of members, like uh, uh, the commando of Lashkar Sami Sadat and the commando of Saripul uh, uh, Hashim Regwal, who was working under the uh, rock star general of Afghanistan, uh, General Abdul Razik. And there are some more people. So these are... uh, of one uh, army personnel are receiving threats from the, the Taliban and the members of those Taliban who have lost their loved ones. Because if the Taliban give forgiveness to these people, uh, those member who lose their cousins, their brothers, their uh, family members, now they are interested in, uh, now, to take the, their revenge. And mm. now, every uh, in these three lake army, every member, particularly brigaders, uh, colonial, and uh, other uh, big designators, they are facing harsh threats from the Taliban. Mm. On the other side, we, we saw we, and we are hearing from Kandahar that almost three to four thousand people the Taliban captured from their homes and then they killed them in front of their family members. On the other side, we are hearing news in Kabul that they are searching their opponents in Kabul and going to door by door and uh, uh, capturing their main opponents of the army. The second uh, uh, main ul- vulnerable uh, is the journalists that, that were working for the international media? They also uh, face very, very a lot of troubles in Afghanistan because they were working uh, for the victimized population of Afghanistan and they were victimized from the violence of the Taliban. So, journalist community has been receiving. Uh, threats from the Taliban, uh, and they they are very they are in very disturbing situation. And then the women rights activists they are also in very great uh, catastrophe, and they are facing a very very bad situation in Afghanistan. Yeah. So all members, every member, there were fifteen leg like, service members of the Afghan government every member feel insecurity in Afghanistan, particularly journalists, army personnel, uh, uh, women rights activists, and uh, the civil rights uh, activists, they are uh, facing, because they are facing a very troubling situation in Afghanistan. And today you saw almost uh, 100 people they they were not leaving the us flight to to take off from the kabul airport and they understood that if they leave kabul airport and enter into the kabul city there is no hope for, for the life because uh, they know they they committed very big crimes uh, against the taliban they understood and the Taliban said that these people uh, committed crimes and uh, the, the result of that crimes is nothing but killing to them. So mm. on the other side, uh, European countries and other countries like USA, UK, Germany, or France, Canada, uh, Australia, they are providing visas and asylum just to those people. Who work and for uh, their army and who work for the NGOs, uh, for their NGOs. So I think th- th- these are very, very unfair uh, for those of ones that work for this system. I think more than one lakh people have been uh, receiving threats and have been. Uh, suffering from, from the death threats. Mm. So the, the, these countries, at least they should provide one leg uh, asylum to the Afghanistan uh, because it is also part of international law to provide asylum to those people who who face, the, they, they don't have any life in Afghanistan. They are just going in one home, another home, and another home, and uh, they are just uh, just uh, what you can say. They, they understand that just few days of their life is left in Afghanistan. So if the other countries don't provide asylum to these people, there will be a very great genocide of the Afghan, of the previous administration service member in Afghanistan.
0: That's a very sobering um, analysis, M- maybe one of my last questions to you, conscious of the time, but what can the world do what what sh- What do you expect and want organizations like the u n what do you want from the what should the Security Council do? What can be done now, given that Taliban has taken power that you know u s is out uh, and Western powers are out, the regional powers have sided with the Taliban for their own reasons. What can the world do, and what do you expect organizations like the UN and and you know UN Security Council to do?
1: Uh, yes, uh, UN Security Council and uh, United Nations uh, is the only institution of the world that uh, can prevent the ongoing genocide. Uh, in Afghanistan, the genocide of the previous administration service member. So they can pressurize the Taliban to, to forgive these all peoples who work in the previous uh, administrations uh, and uh, common amnesty for all Afghans, particularly for the Post administration uh, service member is very important uh, in order to uh, halt Afghanistan from another catastrophe. And only UN and United and UN Security Council can do that, can abide the Taliban to stop acts against these people. Hmm. And the second thing, uh, the Afghan society is uh, there is a tribal kind of society and there one village support the Taliban and other village support uh, uh, Afghan. Arab. They supported the Afghan army uh, during the past uh, two decades. And there is tribal uh, there, there is very dangerous situation hmm. if the Taliban forgive these all people so those tribal members who lose uh, their uh, loved ones while fighting against afghan army they will not they will not uh, forget those people and on the other side the those afghan army members they uh, when they uh, they fought against the Taliban and killed the members of the Taliban uh, families. Hmm. So now the administration has already collapsed, and they have no support uh, from the from the government. And they are living in Afghanistan, and uh, there is a mounting dangers of the tribal immunities. Inmit- hmm. uh, in Afghanistan, so that can only be uh, prevented by the Taliban. So if uh, the tr- some tribal elders start their in- enmity against other uh, tribal, the- there will be a very big punishment for them. Hmm. So uh, in, uh, in this area, uh, United Nations can uh, also uh, uh, stop uh, these people. Uh, can uh, provide instruction to the Taliban to stop these kind of uh, violence uh,
0: in Afghanistan. And th-
1: yeah. Yes. In uh, the third, the third things, uh, the a great, uh, a large number of uh, people came uh, into Afghanistan uh, uh, during the past two decades particularly intelligentsia like uh, sociologists, political scientists, IR experts, philosophers, doctors, engineers, pilots. And they are facing very very harsh situations. And there is uh, the, the third very really, uh, big issue of the Afghanistan is the brain drain. A lot of highly educated people are playing from Afghanistan. So the, the United Nations can also uh, provide instruction to the Taliban to forgive these people and to provide the env- environment of peace to these people. So they uh, stop their uh, playing, their departing from Afghanistan. And the the fourth very big issue in Afghanistan is the human uh, rights violations. Mm. because uh, the, the Afghan girls and women, they enjoyed the same kind of uh, freedom like the women of other parts of the world are enjoying now. So now they, they are the whole women today I saw in various parts of Afghanistan, and when I contact with the, our colleagues, uh, female members, we are just crying that we don't have any life in Kabul. We don't have any uh, entertainment places in Kabul. And we don't have any space where, in hotels, in the streets. And and we don't have any right to do our jobs. So uh, in this area, United Nations can also instruct the Taliban to provide freedom To the girls of Afghanistan, so in these areas, uh, this is very important from the you know uh, for the United Nations to do a lot in these areas.
0: Yeah, to put some pressure on uh, on the Taliban to actually uh, yeah allow these uh, arguably victories over the past twenty years to uh, not just disappear. Um.
1: Uh, This this is also the these kind of Royalties and viciousness is the violation of the international law. So yes, the United Nations and uh, UK, Canada, US, Russia, and China should tell the Taliban that they would not recognize and they would not legitimize the current Taliban government if they continue their or their violence if, if they continue to deprive of one girls from their rights i think this kind of uh, narrative should be spread by these countries and the united nations
0: yeah wholeheartedly agree uh hezbollah, I know i've taken a lot more of your time than we uh, agreed initially, uh, and I thank you for it, but maybe one last question because i'm I'm conscious that you are putting yourself at grave danger by even speaking to me or, or any other uh, uh foreigners. What does the future hold for you what do you what will you do in the coming days?
1: Oh, I think there will be no life for us uh there will be no happiness, no enjoyment, no entertainments and uh, Afghanistan will be a graveyard for Afghans, uh, for Afghans. and uh, our Afghanistan has already changed uh, into from uh, yes it was paradise and now it is changed into the hell so we don't have any expectation of life of enjoyment or pride and we don't uh, have any expectation from the Taliban to provide us human rights and our human rights will be violated because we saw them in the previous administrations. And uh, at that time, we just saw qualities. And now we, yes, they they have changed their uh, mindset, Uh, They've changed little mindset, but on the other hand, their mind didn't change completely. So don't hope for life. And uh, this is a question of Christ. Uh, I I can't uh, provide you. I can't give you you answer of this question. And my Christ is the only answer of this question. Hmm.
0: Hezbollah, I hear the pain in your voice and and my heart cries with you. I think this is a testing and trying time and and I wish I could say more apart from stay safe uh, and the best I can do is I will push this conversation out far and wide uh, and let's uh, hope that the world hears what's happening on the ground and the threat that is faced by people like yourself uh, and those who over the past 20 years stood up against what the Taliban tried to force uh, on them. And let's hope that the Taliban in its current takeover will see some sense in retaining the public sector that has been established and will see some sense in allowing people who have supported the previous regime or the government uh, to to remain in Afghanistan and part of the Afghan, Afghan society. Uh, i also hope that anyone in power amongst the united nations or united nations security council uh, or any of the halls of power around the world realizes how grave the situation is for people like yourself and that they actually do something about it uh, but from me on a personal note i thank you for being brave and courageous to actually speak with me uh, to share your view from the ground uh, with the uh, the world that uh, i'm in contact with
1: Thank you, uh, I am so happy to talk with you. And uh, I am uh, very thankful to you that you provided your your time and your forum for us to share and to listen our cries and to listen and to spread the realities of the current Afghanistan. So thank you, thank you very much.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Voices of War. You can access all episodes on www.thevoicesofwar.com or by subscribing wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And while you're there, please give us a review as we'd love to hear what you think. If you'd like to recommend a guest for the show, you can reach me on info at thevoicesofwar.com.